Hello, hello my friends, my family, my community, my tribe. Welcome to the Hippie Moms Podcast. Welcome everybody. <laughs> Thought I would try out some new voices, you know, just getting a little, little silly here. It's not about always being serious all the time. My friends, wow, do we have such a great podcast for you. Um, I'm digging it. You know, every time I before I publish, I get to listen and, and listen with uh, just kind of open, open hands, open heart. And I get to hear the conversation that I already had, but in a, a deeper way, uh, because I'm not trying to hang on to every word or, or keep the flow or hold the space. I get to just listen. And that's what I'm going to ask you to do is just listen to this podcast and this conversation that I had with uh, Jessica Sherman. Um, She really, I love, outlines the most fundamentals um, that we need as humans to be in good mental, physical health. And I love how we really encompass in this conversation that... um, permission to not be perfect and if we're gonna do anything and change anything in our lives the number one thing is is to really calm the nervous system and I hope that you get some depth of that here and understand just a little bit more of the layers of what that means and why it's vital Uh, because so many of us are spinning in our lives and all the things and we we need time to come home we need and and our children do too because they are they just feed off of our energy they look at us as um as setting the stage for everything and before i go into introduce jessica i i saw this incredible uh quote by missy willis she says, young children are not cognitively, cognitively capable of sorting out the complexities of your quote unquote bad days, unresolved trauma or ancestral patterns. They see your emotions and behavior simply as a real time reflection of how you feel about them. And oops, and in this podcast, we get to unravel that a little bit. And we get to have some tools and deeper understanding of this parenting journey that we're on that is unprecedented. It is unprecedented. Um, So Jessica Sherman, I'm going to introduce her and then we're going to roll into the podcast. She is a certified teacher, functional diagnostic nutritional practitioner, a board certified in practical holistic nutrition. And she is really working to help doctors, therapists, teachers, kids, and parents um, understand and apply a whole child, whole body, trauma-informed nutrition and lifestyle-focused approach to helping them from the outside in and the inside out. Um, And, you know, we are are really faced with... um, a dysregulation, a discord in our children. They're anxious, uh, chronically ill. Um, There is this disruption. And as hippie moms, as coming from a place, a movement towards moving back to the way that we are meant to live in a modern way, 
right? We, we, we can use all of the tools we have, technology. Look, I mean, look at this here. The fact that we can have this conversation and this message can be, can be shared is so beautiful. Um, but we have, you know, but we got to pay attention to that. We also have technology doesn't serve us. And we're going to dive in to all these dynamics and I'm going to stop talking so we can move into the podcast. I love you all. And my hope is just that you just listen with an open heart because there's something for you here. So pay attention. Here we go. Yeah. All right. Welcome to the Hippie Moms podcast, Jess Sherman. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm excited to have this conversation. It's going to be fun. We are going to have so much fun. Um, so much to talk about. Um, first, always uh, with a new guest or first time guest, I always love to ask you, tell us how you got in to this type of work. Give us a little backstory. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a circuitous path. So I will, I'll give you the, the brief version of it. Um, I, so the work that I do now is helping anxious kids feel less anxious and um, helping parents um, really understand the drivers of anxiety and, um, and, and work from the inside out as well as the outside in. And so we can, we can talk about that, but that's, that's where I'm at now. And when I think about how I got here, I got here through the path of education. So I was a, I was a teacher for a long time and studied experiential education, which is kind of like a sub subsection of education, but I worked in the classroom with that uh, for, for quite a while. And the whole idea was that I was, I was really interested in understanding how kids develop, how they grow, how they become who they are through their experiences. And so with experiential education, we were crafting experiences for them, putting them in new experiences so that they could, you know, take that take that, that, um, that deeper step into who they, who they are and what they're capable of. So I define that now as resilience. <laughs> I didn't, I, I didn't call it that when I was teaching, but, um, it really is right. It, it really is, um, their capacity to tolerate and grow from stress, which is anything new, right? A new, a new situation is going to be somewhat stressful. And our capacity to grow from that. And it was while I was teaching that I, I started to get really curious about the reality of kids. Like what is going on? They were already, this is, this was, it's been 2007, I stopped teaching. So well, 2008, nine. Um, so it's been a while since I've been teaching, but it was, so it was at that time and things were already going downhill a little bit for kids, right? Like the, the IEPs were coming in and the, the meds and the, um, you know, more kids than not seem to be really struggling with getting through their day, either because they had something physically going on, like they would get headaches or they had acne or they had pain or they couldn't poo or, you know, whatever that was, or they had, you know, mood and learning and behavior struggles and anxiety. Um, and our only recourse as teachers was, was medication. We'd have to, we'd have to refer them out to, to a, you know, a psychiatrist or psychologist or what have you. And then once they were teachable again, they could come back to us and it just, it didn't sit well with me. I, I was really, I was really floored by, by how many kids were struggling and it's only gotten worse now. Things have steadily gone downhill, but it was at that time 
that I, I took a break. I was like, whoa, what is happening? I really want to understand. Um, I didn't want, I didn't want to so much understand their learning process more. I kind of had a handle on that. I wanted to understand what was going on in their bodies mm-hmm. that was making them so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's, so that's why I took, I took a sabbatical, a quote unquote sabbatical <laughs> back in 2007. And, um, and I never looked back because what I learned about what's actually going on in children's bodies and the incongruous nature of what we expect of them and what are, we're, we're telling them and what we're feeding them and the messages that they're getting, it's just a big mishmash. And so it's no wonder that um, so many kids are struggling. Uh, so that's what I do now. I, it brought me to this path of just uh, you know talking, talking to parents, talking to teachers, talking to doctors, talking to whoever will listen around the multifaceted nature of uh, children's anxiety. Now I'm focusing on anxiety because it's just reached a real, a real critical mass. But I, all of their learning and their mood um, dysregulation and uh, stuff like that. So yeah, it's been a, <laughs> it's been a, it's been a journey. <laughs> Oh, well, first, thank you for your work. Um, I don't know any mother that doesn't really get this, you know, um, and I really would love to dive into, you call them the drivers of anxiety. And I'd love to unpack that so that our listeners can really understand, like, what are the sources? What's going on? What are the things that are mis- <clears throat> mismatched? Um, that are creating um, these overwhelming feelings in our kids. And it's, it's affecting, I know I've had a child with high anxiety and it completely um, seeps into the family and it affects everyone's lives. You know, it's not just, just the kid. I mean, everyone's impacted by this and especially moms because we hold all that our children feel. And we just want to fix them. We want them to be better. But, and, and that's why I can see why people take to the medication road. So like, oh, pill for every ill. And, but, you know, hippie moms well, know that's not. Yeah. Me. It's so interesting to watch families go through this process because when I, when people come to work with me, they're, they're committing to like a, a five month process, at least like we, we really dive in together for a good solid five months and then sometimes longer. And it's really interesting to watch them shift from, I want to fix my child. There's mm-hmm. something wrong to starting to really grow with their child. Try Like we do, a, we talk a lot about, you know, attunement and tuning into, to their needs and to your needs and to their nervous system and to your nervous system and understanding how our nervous systems co-regulate mm-hmm. and that you really can't separate mom and child dad too, if he's in the picture, um, or co-parent or grandparents or whoever is, is in the picture, but mostly mom because of how, because of how our biology is, um, is attuned Mm -hmm. to each other. So it's a really, it's really interesting growth process. Um, it, it, it takes me right back to my experiential education roots of just like, you know, you, you, you can teach a kid by telling them something, but then you can also teach a kid by going through an experience with them. And as it's so much more powerful, mm. which is what we do as, you know, as a group of families going through this process and, um, and it's a real energetic shift. It's very, very profound. Mm. Mm. That's beautiful. That's so beautiful. 
Um, so let's go into the drivers of anxiety. Can you kind of walk us through like what are the sources? What why are children struggling so much? Well, the way I've come to understand it, and and you know, I'm not a doctor and I would not diagnose a condition of any kind, but with these, you know, anxiety is essentially a a, a feeling of of fear and worry mm-hmm. around the unknown, right? And I love um there's a, a wonderful book called Scared Sick that I was just reading. And she defines about the impact of early trauma on, um, on the nervous system and on mm. health later in life. Great book. But she, there was this one little sentence in there and she talks about depression and anxiety as the twins of fear, the twin siblings mm-hmm. of fear, right? And anxiety is more fear about the unknown in the future. Whereas depression is more about fear and worry about past. And that's very broad and very simplistic and not diagnostic of anything, but, but, you know, anxiety can look like a lot of different things in kids because ultimately it's about, it's a, it's a feeling of, of unsettledness in the face of what I call stress, mm-hmm. right? So it can look like anger. It can look like rage. It can look like withdrawn. It can look like perfectionism. It can look like ADD. It can look like all kinds of ticks, physical stuff. And, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, social withdrawing from, from friends, or it can look like, you know, diving into to friendships and like being really, really clingy. Uh, so it, it has so many faces, which is, which makes it kind of interesting. Um, and the bottom line, like, you know, your message with hippie moms of just like, we get to decide whether we're okay with what we're seeing or not. Yeah. Right. So if you look at your child and you're just like, you're because parents are always like, is this normal? Is this okay? Is this, should I be getting some support? And the, the fact is, is you get to decide, yeah. is it okay? Or is it not? Because you are defining the parameters of what health looks like for your family. So if you look at your child and you're like, this does not, this does not seem healthy, then you're onto something. It's not yeah. healthy. It's not up to your standards and you can get, you can get some help with that. So this isn't answering your question. I know you're going right into it, but all of this is so good. Yeah. 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 So, so I guess that was just sort of like, you know, let's define what anxiety is. It's Ah, this this fear and this unsettled, um, unsettledness in the face of the unknown. And then what is driving that, what is causing that I am seeing it now as living at the confluence of a child's biology, right? What's going on inside their body. Mm -hmm their psychology, their, what's going on in their mind and their, in their brain, and then they're in their environment Mm -hmm. and what's going on around them. Mm -hmm. And then the child is in the middle. Kids are, are, are sponges. (laughs) Like they are interpreting everything. They're pulling it all in. They're trying to make sense of it. And, um, and it's not, it's not necessarily congruent you know, they're told to do one thing and they're shown to do another thing. And then their biology is telling them to do another thing. And, and it's kind of mismatched. So that those are the three kind of places that I look at it. And then underneath it all, driving everything um, from a really fundamental level is their genetics and their, um, and their early life experiences, which kind of sets up their nervous system from, a, from in pre, pre-infancy sets up their nervous system to uh, respond a certain, to have certain tendencies, we can call mm-hmm. it, right? Um, 
So that's how I, that's the, I love frameworks. Like I, I don't, yeah. if I don't have a framework, I don't have a bucket to put information. That's, that's my, that's the framework. Um, and there's a lot in there that's, that's shiftable yeah. that we can really, uh, we can really attend to and make sure that their body is actually getting congruent messages from all of the different directions. Um, and then they will feel more, more safe and secure and their nervous system will, will become their ally mm. um, and what that translates into is less anxiety. Okay. I love this so much because I, I really feel, you know, really important things that I, I just want to kind of dive, dive into quickly is that one of the faces of anxiety, because a, a lot of times, for example, like my son used to have a tummy ache and, and then my son developed a tick which was really bothersome and embarrassing for him and really hard. And then my other son was having a lot of behavioral issues. And what I love so much is you bring down to this like simplistic um, expression or their state of the nervous system. And it's how can we help them feel safe because they don't feel safe. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah, I mean, it's messages of stress and threat are mm. circulating in the body. Yes. And that leads to a state of feeling stressed yes. and unsafe. Yes. And so of course you're going to have symptoms when that's the case because that's what our, our symptoms are these beautiful feedback messages to say yes. ah things are not okay, things are not okay. Yes. And if we just deal with the symptom, you know, you're playing whack-a-mole all the time. Yes. And and it's just going to pop up some like, okay, we've got a handle on the, on the tummy aches now. Oh, look, it's popping up as ticks. And okay, now we've got a handle on the ticks and oh, now it's insomnia. And oh, now we've got a handle on that. And oh, now it's showing up in friendships until you figure out, you know, I, I don't even think there's a root cause. Mm -hmm. We like to talk about root causes. I don't even think there's a root cause of anxiety. It's a cyclone. They're stuck in a cyclone mm -hmm. of these mixed messages and these incongruent messages and these constant messages of, of threat that are, that are running through their body. And so we need to figure out the sources of those, of those messages yes. um, and, and re rejig things. So they yeah. are messages of safety and security. Um, mm. And it's not going to come from just telling them they're safe and secure. Like that is one, one way of, one way of messaging, right. Is, is how, how we talk to them, but you can hear something, hearing something is very different from feeling something. So Definitely. we need to work from the inside. That's what I talk about, like working from the inside out so that message, messages for, of safety are actually coming from the inside. Mm. A little abstract, so maybe we should pull that apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let, Kim, let's pull that apart. I mean, so, and what I'd love to do is really leave the listeners with some concrete things or ideas that they can integrate and implement and take those first steps and, and obviously towards the end, we'll, we'll direct them to you if they, they want to, you know, they need more support. I know you have a lot of resources and things that can help them to dive further, but just for the sake of this podcast and keeping it a little bit, um, kind of what are the first steps <clears throat> that mothers can take to help their child dealing with anxiety? Yeah. Okay. So, so one of the first things I, I, I suggest people do is do a little, a little self-assessment Mm. Um, on, you know, the state of affairs <laughs> in, in your, in your kids, because on, on this note of, 
you know, we all, we all love our children. We all tell them that they're safe. We all snuggle them. We all, you know, make sure that the environment is a loving environment as best as we can. So that's fantastic. That's really, really important. If we are doing to, 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 um, to X, what's the word? What am I thinking of? Potentiate X, to make that expe- exponentially better. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, do all of those things from a place of, of centeredness and calm and truly, truly believing it mm-hmm. because words are one thing, but words that come from feeling and emotion are, have different energy to them. Yeah. Um, so, so there's that piece and we need to, you know, we need to do that. Then there's the biology piece. And this is like the massive gaping hole that I see in, in, you know, treatment plans and in, in, um, in strategies for anxious kids. It's that we need to, to make sure that their biology is also sending the messages of common safety. So the first little self-assessment that I suggest is to ask yourself, how is your child eating, sleeping, and pooping? Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, we can even unpack that further, but so if, if you have like major picky eating or you've, you know, drifted into a lot of processed foods, or, you know, you think your child has a lot of allergies or food sensitivities and you haven't like sussed that out yet, assess like what you know about their eating. Or sometimes people reflect on this and they're like, I don't actually know the difference between a protein rich meal and a carb dense meal. Like we all learn this stuff. Like, why would you know? So, so just do a little assessment of like, where do you, where do things stand with, are you happy with how your child is eating? Then sleeping, you know, like, are they getting, what's your sleep routine? Are they getting restorative sleep? Is bedtime a mess or are you consistent about it? You know, are they up too late on their, on their phones or their iPads or what have you, especially with the teenagers sleeping and then pooping constipation, diarrhea, like it's self-explanatory, right? Mm -hmm. So if they are not eating well, sleeping well and pooping well, then they do have circulating messages of unsafety. What's the word I'm looking for? Not unsafety, but inflammation maybe? Well, inflammation, but like translated is like, I'm not safe stress. Like they have messages of stress circulating in their body, which is going to translate into the language of the nervous system of I'm not safe. Yes. Right. So, so that's, that's the first thing to sort of think through, right. If we want to, we want to send messages of common safety from the outside. And we also want to send that from the inside. And so if, if you're doing everything you can from the outside and they're still stressed and anxious and nervous and worried, um, then it's time to look at those messages from the inside. And that's a place to start. And how big does, uh, does food play a role? Food, food plays a massive role. Mm. It's, it plays a massive role. What, I mean, what our kids eat, gosh, there's so many layers to the food piece, right? There's the connection around food. There's the, our relationship to food, right? It's the longest relationship that, that they will ever be in is their relationship to food. We want to make sure it's a positive one. There's the nutritional building blocks that we get from food. There's messages that our food brings into our bodies. I mean, it's on so many levels, on every level. Um, 
uh, um, you know, very, very tangible and scientific and very, you know, ethereal and energetic food plays a massive role in, in, in anxiety and in everything. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And, um, and I believe this so much and what are some of the foods that you feel can, can really trip up the kids' bodies? Are there certain things that can really contribute to anxiety? I mean, if we were really saying, listen, these are the top things you want to get out of your kids' diet. Yeah. You know, it's an interesting question because I'm dealing with kids who are on high alert <laughs> and a lot of them have, have, have trauma in their past and they have these messages of unsafety. Um, um, lack of safety. I keep saying unsafety. I don't think that's a word, but you I, know what I mean. I, I know what you mean. I keep hearing it come out of my mouth and I'm like, that's not a word. Um, but you know what I mean? Uh, because, because I'm dealing with these, I, I I'm very cautious about the language that we use around food mm. because the, the very, very first experience that we have as infants, as, as newborns, is around food and connection and safety, right? Mm -hmm. And so there is a very strong, there's a very strong felt experience around nourishment and safety and and mothering, whether that was from a, you know, a formula bottle or or a breast, it's a, it's, it's a very first, one of our very first instincts. And so um, I, I for, for mostly for that reason, for a lot of reasons, but mostly for that reason, I always talk about bringing foods in before you talk about bringing foods out, mm. uh, just so that we can we can make sure that the conversation around food is positive and all, all, all around nourishing. So yes, there are foods that trip kids up a lot, but the way I like to start is by saying mostly it's those foods that are not really foods. Yeah. <laughs> you know, those foods that are masquerading as foods, yeah. um, but they're not actually nourishing for our bodies. Mm. So that's going to be all the processed foods and all the additives and all the, you know, extracted things like, like sugar is not really a food. It's an ex- extracted piece of, you know, yeah. extracted flavor. <laughs> right. Um, so I, you know, I like to call attention to those things first, um, because they're not actually giving us the building blocks that our bodies need to be able to self-regulate. Mm. And they're so addictive. And they're so addictive. Oh. Yeah. And, and I also, you know, I also, gosh, I've got so much room and compassion for parents because I am one. <laughs> I wouldn't want anyone blaming or shaming me for the, for the issues of my children. And, and it's, it's, you know, so I'm, you know, I'm, I have a lot of compassion for parents and we all slip into it. All yeah. of us. I mean, oh. if you haven't made, you know, nourishing whole foods, a actual cornerstone of your family life and given it the priority and think about it every day and make, you know, make conscious choices around it, mm-hmm. then it's going to slip. Yeah. It's one of the first things to slip. Yeah. And you're like, Oh, this looks convenient. This looks tasty. This is a cheaper, this is, you know, going to take this out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I love, I love that you really talk about having compassion because I think we can really judge ourselves and judge others around food, um, especially those that don't really understand and know. And I went through that 
for a long time where I would judge other moms. You know, I was trying to be perfect and you can't be perfect. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> the stress around just trying to be perfect is more harmful than maybe what you're trying to avoid. Mm-hmm. Um, yet you can make small steps towards, you know, creating real whole food in your kitchen. And that's not easy to do for so many people, especially because we're on this hamster wheel of getting things done, but it is, it's, it's one of the most important things I feel, um, in our lives is to truly nourish ourselves and our bodies and our kids' bodies. Yet it's, it's challenging. Yeah. And it's interesting how it's kind of fallen off the radar for a lot of people. And I, I, I think like, I don't know how old you are, but we, you know, we're, around the same age and we're in the same generation anyway. And I think that we are in a generation of parents. We're in a new era of parenting. Like we we are not parenting the same way our parents parented. We have a different reality to navigate. And so, you know, we are just role models for each other. (laughs) We don't have the wisdom of, of past generations to navigate all when we, we have some, we, we definitely have some, like we, I think we've, we've overcomplicated things. We've made things very, very busy. Yeah. And if there are, if there's wisdom that we can get from our, our, our forefathers or our grandparents, it's to simplify and get back to the basics, which is real food, clean water, clean air, Mm -hmm. movement, connection, sleep, like the basics haven't changed. The Mm -hmm. foundations have not changed. It's just gotten a little bit harder to navigate how we're going to fit all that into our busy lives. Yes. Oh my gosh. I just feel like you just hit it on the head because everyone wants like, what's the magic supplement or what's the magic pill or what's the magic shake or greens. It's like, ah, you know, it, it just, what you said, real whole food, clean water, air connection with our our people, you know, movement in nature, you know, moving our bodies that has never, and it will never change. It's so simple. Yeah. Yeah. It's so hard to fit it all in. Yeah. And I think what's going on with kids right now, I mean, we're up to, we're up to 30 to 40% of kids. Um, that stock comes out of the U S but it's no better anywhere else are, are feeling anxious, sad, depressed, you know, they're, they're having struggles in school and, you know, kids, kids before kids who were already kind of on the cusp or had a sort of some kind of diagnosis with their mood or their, or emotions or their behaviors are, are like are way up in terms of like, they feel even worse now. Mm-hmm. So we've got the, you know, the kids who were feeling bad before are now feeling worse. And then kids who were feeling okay before it was pre pandemic, um, it was 20%. Now we're up to 30 to 40%. We've got, you know, the suicide attempted suicide rate, like the kids going to the emergency room um, with suspected or attempted suicide is up 51%. It's happening globally, US, Canada, Italy. Um, I've seen studies out of the UK. I've seen studies, um, yeah, out of various countries in Europe. So anywhere where, where folks are asking the question and thank goodness they are asking the question, how are kids doing Mm -hmm. across the board? They're not doing okay. They're not nearly as resilient as we think they are. Their, their reaction just over the last two years, their response to what's happened over the last two years is, does correlate with their parents' experience. So that again, speaks to the whole co-regulated co-regulation situation. 
Um, so yeah, I think I think this 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 busyness and this forgetting or not forgetting, but you know, the simplicity of what our bodies expect, what our bodies are programmed to need. And it's incongruent with what we are actually giving our bodies. And so to me, that kind of explains why the nervous systems of children are going kind of haywire. Yes. Well, and I think you bring up such an important point is because our children are sponges, like how we show up in the world, right? We're setting the tone in our home. If we're stressed, we're anxious, we, we aren't dealing with our, you know, calming our nervous system. How are our children going to know what to do? You know, well, and vice versa, like it goes both ways too, right? Like if our yeah. kids are having a really hard time, it's, mm. it's really hard for us to self-regulate as well. Cause yeah. it, it goes, it goes both ways. We're in, we're in conversation. And, and so I would, I would like to think, well, you know, we are the adults and, and we are, we are the one who can actually take control. Cause it's, it's very difficult to change the health of another person. It's very oh. difficult, right? The kid, your, your oh. child just needs to say, nope, they're going to close their mouth. They're not going to take the supplements. They're not going to go to bed. They're, yeah. you know, it's, 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 it's difficult. It's so, so given that there's this two way street, we can actually leverage that mm-hmm. and we can actually do some work on our own nervous systems. But we, again, we have to address that with compassion and remember that, you know, we're feeding off of them as much as they're feeding off of us. Mm-hmm. And, and being, and being reflective, you know, how am I not showing up or what am I not doing or taking care of myself? You know, am I not eating good, healthy food? You know, am I getting exercise? I mean, we really do set the, create the space in our homes. And that's what I've really learned with my children in in these big kind of shifts that they've gone through is, is to truly embody what it is that I want for them to be. You know, if I want them to be calm, I mean, I have to be calm. If I'm just a wreck, how can I expect any of them? Because we, you're, you know, everything is so contagious in our home. If someone's, I know if my husband's come home and he's anxious about losing a client or getting a client or this software, whatever, and, and he's stressed, I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to be stressed. Are we going to be okay? You know, it's, it's like, it really does. We have to kind of check ourselves. Yeah. And it, you know, it's so interesting. I've been thinking about this. I've been thinking about the energetics of it a lot. I've been getting kind of really quite intrigued by energy medicine and, and just, um, this idea that we can shift our energy and we've all, what I find so interesting about it is that it's, it's still kind of considered woo woo stuff and yet we've all experienced it, right? We've all had that experience of like, someone who's, who's had a terrible day comes home and is like a basket case. And, and we all of a sudden feel their energy. Yes. Right. Oh my God. All is anxious. And so all of a sudden we're anxious and we're all like, and we're cycling or we, or even like a really good example is like, if you go to a big concert or a, or a big sports game or something and you walk into the arena and it's like, Whoa, the energy, right. You can feel that we feel each other's energy and we've all felt it. Yeah. And so what that means, if we were to flip it around, is that the energy that we possess as mothers or as parents has the same kind of ripple effect. If your child comes home from school and you are present and open and, and, and have really solid energy, they will feel that. 
And it might still look like they are disjointed. They're just like, you know, the kids who come home from school and they're like, I don't want to talk to you. It, it might look like that for a while because it takes, it takes a while, but it is an energy, like attuning to your own energy is very, very powerful and really fascinating. I love it. I mean, that's the world I live in constantly. I'm all about the energy and energetics and I'm, you know, and, and it is, it takes practice to show up and be calm. You know, it, you have to know thyself. Um, you do. And, and the other thing about it is that it is what you're, what we're talking about is actually the language of the nervous system. So if we want to like bring it right back to like biology, Mm -hmm. it's the nervous system and it's very resource intensive as well. So you're going to have a really hard time um, managing that energy and not controlling isn't the right word, but, you know, shifting it back and forth into different states. If you are not well resourced, if you don't have, you know, sufficient sleep and sufficient hydration and sufficient nourishment. Right. So, so I just want to keep that in mind too. It's not something you can just sort of switch on and off. Like you need to, to attune to your own biology and so does your child. So that speaks to that whole like biology piece of self-regulation. We have to do it with us. We have to do it for our kids as well. They can't self-regulate if they don't have the building blocks for the nervous system to do its job, the nutritional building blocks. So true. So can we, um, can we kind of talk about a few things that we can do or integrate to support the nervous system, maybe even for our children, are there certain things that you work with, with your clients that, you know, can really attune the nervous system to being, to help it being calmer and feeling safer? Yeah. So, um, I'll, I'll maybe take a sec to direct people to the, the seminar that I was mentioning to you earlier, yes. because that really, it really breaks it down um, because we, we'll have, we have to, hmm? we'll have a link to that in the show notes. Yeah. JoeSherman.com slash biology of behavior. And it's, it's all about how the nervous system works. Cause we have to understand our children's bodies, right? If we want to help them, we have to understand them. So we have to understand how the nervous system works and, um, it, it, you know, it talks about the different states of the nervous system and how like resilience is, you have to be in a parasympathetic dominant state in order to be resilient. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the words that I kind of hang my hat on is this resilience and their capacity to handle stress. And there are a number of factors inside the body that will keep the nervous system from finding that state again. Mm-hmm. finding that state of balance that's that parasympathetic state and so I find just another framework I'll throw out for people is that there are usually five things that will keep the nervous system from finding that that parasympathetic balanced state mm-hmm. and they are nutrient imbalances mm-hmm. uh, food reactions mm-hmm. toxicity and usually that's com- combined with just a poor genetic capacity to detoxify Mm -hmm. uh, infections and gut imbalances. Mm -hmm. I know you've talked about gut uh, several times on your podcast, (laughs) gut, 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 (laughs) so gut imbalances. So if, if anyone, if there's issues in any one of those five areas, then the nervous system is going to have a really hard time self-regulating. And you're going to be in this position as a parent of like, sending all of the messages from the outside and creating a positive, strong, healthy environment 
but they're still getting these messages of threat from the inside. And when I say that, I'm literally, they literally are messages of threat, their cortisol, their adrenaline, they're all the stress hormones are going to be activated if those five and any of those five things are, are present and, mm. and wreaking havoc. So that's framework wise, but do you want to get into maybe some specifics? Yeah, just give us a, before we, before we, um, before we kind of uh, start to uh, close it up, I, I'd love to have just a few things for them to walk away with that they can start to integrate or think about, you know, that they can, you know, actions that we can take. The action steps. Yeah. Um, so I think the biggest action step that people can take is to attend to sleep. And I know this has little to do with food on the outside, but it has everything to do with food. Yeah. Attending to sleep because sleep is, is, is the great reset. I'm always, I'm always marveling about it with my kids of just like, isn't it amazing that we all, we have this tool of sleep and rest to just like everything, just having a bad day, just like rest, sleep, regenerate. Love it. Or another day, right? If yeah. you're sick, right. Rest. So anyway, <laughs> um, I have seen. And, and it's actually been well studied as well that, that even just, so a couple of interesting things about sleep. One is consistent bedtimes and wake times yeah. make a massive difference to the nervous system mm-hmm. and even to everything, to, to weight and to um, mental outlook and to appetite. Even I've seen, you know, picky eaters become less picky once sleep is consistent. Yeah. So consistent bedtime and wake time. Um, if you can, if you can get some sunlight early in the morning, first thing in the morning, like within the first 20 minutes, that's even better. Cause that's going to start to shift the circadian rhythm. Yes. Um, and, uh, and dark, 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 dark for, for kids. And, and that, like, when I say dark, like e- even just the littlest things like, like clocks, Mm-hmm. or, you know, plugs that have lights on them yeah. or, you know, aquariums in kids' rooms or things like that, that light is very disruptive to their circadian rhythm and to their melatonin and to their serotonin, like all of these hormones. Yeah. So, um, they've even, they've really looked at that with, um, heart rate variability, which is a marker of our nervous system response basically. Um, and they've noticed big changes in people's heart rate variability when they can sleep in dark. And if your child needs a nightlight, mm-hmm. then you can, um, get one that's like blue or red, like get a colored mm-hmm. one. And then when they're asleep, go slip in and, and, and un- unplug it or put it on a timer or put it on a timer even yeah. better. Yeah. Yeah. Because okay. it really does. It really does make a difference. And then they're, they're getting the benefit of that reset mm-hmm. at night and the trickle down effect is massive. Mm-hmm. You'll see changes in their blood sugar capacity, their, their capacity to tolerate sugar. You'll see changes in their appetite. You'll see changes in their mood, in their ability to communicate with you in their, like the, it, you know, it's really at the headwaters, like right. Eating, sleeping and pooping is at mm-hmm. the headwaters, but if you're just going to focus on that, probably, pro- probably one of the easier ones to tackle is just, is just to focus on, on sleep. Yeah. I love it. Question. Uh, no, that that's great. Unless you want to give one more nervous system tip to calm the nervous system, and then we'll wrap it up. 
Um, I think another of my favorites, I mean, again, we, we haven't really talked about food at all. And I am a nutritionist, but I do, I do talk a lot about food. I mean, we did talk, we did talk about how, like one of the best things you can do for the nervous system is to make sure that there's more actual food in your house than there yeah. is food that's masquerading as food. Yeah. Right. So that, that's a, that's a tip and just, you know, go into your pantry with, with just curiosity and openness and just wow. say, Hey, where, where are we at with this? Like how, how, how are we doing? Yes. And then just pick one or two things that you can shift from the processed version, right? Like maybe it's the tomato, tomato sauce, spaghetti sauce. Mm-hmm. Maybe next time you're just going to buy a bunch of tomatoes. Yeah. Right. Or maybe it's the fruit roll-ups. Maybe next time you're going to buy a bunch of apples, like, like one or two things. Right. Um, so that's, that's tangible. And what's so beautiful is when you do these like baby steps, it's going to be so amazing. You're going to like, you know, time goes by so fast in two years, you're going to be like, look at all these changes I've made. Yeah. You know, we try to go to A to Z and it's just stressful. We're overwhelmed and we don't do anything. So I love that. It's like, what's the one thing that you can change, right? And I'm just going to, I want to share real quickly, because one of the biggest things my kids were addicted to do were those like organic, um, just crackers, chips. I mean, they would consume them all the time. You know what I did? I just stopped buying them. I just stopped buying them. Did my kids want them? Yeah. But guess what? Like in a week, they stopped asking for them. Now they don't even, they don't even eat them when we're out. It's crazy. I thought like, literally this is, I have to give them because it's the only thing they're going to eat. And it's not true. So I, and, and my point is we, we have a lot of limited stories in our minds about, you know, our families and how they eat, how they're going to eat. But when us as mothers just make those small shifts, they're going to, they're going to fall in line. Right? Well, they don't have much of a choice. I mean, you really are at, you really are at the helm. You're steering, the, you're steering the boat and, and they can, they can have their input. That's what it, that's what's, that's what a community does is, you know, there is input. Um, you get to make the final decisions. And I, I, you know, something similar that I, I have fallen into periodically, right. This is, this is not a nonlinear situation <laughs> because things come and things go and it's very cyclical. But another thing we, we periodically will fall into these bread ruts where it's just like, gosh, we're going through a ton of bread. What is going on? And I, we're not even, I mean, there was, we didn't even have a toaster until my oldest son was, I think, 10. Like we just, it wasn't a part of things. And then all of a sudden it became a part of what we were doing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what happened? What happened? We're yes. going through so much. And so periodically I'll just stop buying it and the kids will use wraps mm-hmm. and, or not, you know, maybe, or they'll just get more creative and they'll make, they'll make some soup for lunch or something. And, um, and so that's another little, little piece you can do, because when you switch from bread to wraps, you're basically making a switch from the carbohydrate version or the carbohydrate part of the meal to what's inside the sandwich, yes. right? It's, so in a wrap, it's going to be much less of the, of the, the bread and much more of what's inside. Yes. Um, and that's a really, a really good little shift you can do too. I love that. And I, I know I love bread and, and I mean, there are better versions of bread out there too. So it's, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, when you get to the point where like, we got to the point where the kids were coming home from school and they were having a piece of toast with butter on it. 
Yeah. And I'm like, how did we get here? Like what, wow. this is not a snack. Like this is not okay. nourishing for your body. Mm-hmm. Well, butter's, so- good. butter's good. <laughs> butter's good. Butter. Still mostly bread. <laughs> Yeah, totally. It is. And then, then we're going through like 10 loaves of bread a week. Uh, <laughs> no. Right. I yes. We get the good stuff when we get it. So it's like, you know, eight bucks a loaf or something. I'm like, we cannot do this, you guys. This is we need to get more creative than than yeah. toasting butter after school. Well, and I and I love that. It is just getting out of our box. It's kind of, you know, just start playing with other options. And if there's something, and I think innately we know. Like I knew those crackers weren't serving my kids, you know, even though they were organic, they're still just crap. Hmm. And so I just, you know, for me, that was a big move. I just decided to just stop buying them and chips and all, you know, the things that they would just snack on, you know, before dinner or after dinner, you know, before bed is just like, not, not going to happen anymore. And you'll do that. You'll do that when you have the bandwidth to do that. Right. Because there are some times where you do have to like tune in again to your own resources and to be okay. Like you're my, so as a, as a parent, another framework, my, your resources are your time, your money, and your energy. Right. Those are your, your three master resources. And you just sort of have to keep taking stock of like, what do I have more of right Mm -hmm. now? And sometimes like, I don't have the energy, I'm going to spend the money on the crackers or I don't have the time I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, or I have more time, but I don't have money or I, whatever, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll find your, your flow. Um, and sometimes you just need the crackers because Uh, you don't have the energy and maybe, maybe you can just get some like ones that are a little bit more nutritionally dense, have a bit more fiber in them or something. Right. And sometimes you don't have yeah. So you have to, you have to play around with that. Mm-hmm. Right, this, this lifestyle shift can be a source of anxiety, you know, and can, and can cause, you know, we're feeling anxious that our kids fill in They're not, it's like, you know, it is, it's a beautiful dance and we just have to be willing to get up and move, you know? Yeah. And that's when a guide is really helpful because yeah. yes, it is, you know, there are, but again, the language of the nervous systems, our nervous systems do not like change. Mm. not like change they want to stay status quo even if that status quo is is not serving us and it's not taking us towards your goal right it takes a massive amount of energy and faith and just like yeah it takes a lot to to make that shift and so that's why you know having having mentors having guides having community having somebody who can help you just like make that shift. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay because you are going to constantly have to send your own nervous system messages of safety and calm. And this is okay. We're making a good move because you will, you know, our minds tend to tend to focus on, Oh my God, why am I doing this? This is a bad idea. This is too hard. Get in the way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So how do you, how do you work with people and where can our people find you? So I work with people uh, through the, in, within the framework, again, another framework, um, the framework that I created is called the Resilience Roadmap. And it is literally that, it's a roadmap to a more resilient, healthy child and healthy family. And hang on, I'm sorry. Dog is pulling at me. And I like to keep things very systematic. 
And I, but also organic, right? So we have a system that we follow, but we also really follow the lead of the parents and um, have to tune into their resources and their own energy and, and what they need, right? We do it, um, it's a combination of, it's a combination of, of one-on-one strategy mapping and group support. So we have lots of families going through it um, at the same time, which is really powerful. Yes. You're not alone. Yeah. You're not alone. There are people, people on this journey as well. And gosh, you are so not alone if your child has anxiety right now, because it's like, well, we already talked about the statistics, right? Um, but if you're, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're wanting to actually shift the trajectory of things, you're, you're, you know, you do need a, a support group. So, but you also need your own strategic plan because every family is different and every child is different. So we walk through, it's, it's based on the idea of we need to nourish the nervous system. We need to make sure all the nutritional building blocks are coming in. And then we have to identify which, if any of those five factors that we talked about are causing extra stress. And we need to, we need to really, really bring those down. And by the end, we have a happier child and we have a happier family. And I really like to bring um, connection into it as well, right? We have a more connected family as one of our goals. Mm, I love that. Yes, we all want that, right? We all want a connected, happy, calm family. That's the dream. And it's at our fingertips, but it's not a pill or a supplement away. It's, it's work and it's really diving in and making some changes. But I, I can just imagine how beneficial this is for everyone in the family, you know, because so many of us don't really know where to go and how to start. And so I'm so grateful that you're here to guide and help um, our families do that. So I'm going to make sure that we have your website linked. I'm also going to have a link to the short seminar uh, where you talk about um, the nervous system and all of its components and you have an amazing Facebook group too. Yeah, yeah. People can come and join our Facebook group. It's called um, the Raising Resilience Community, yes. um, which is named after my book, which is called Raising Resilience. Uh, that's on Amazon. Um, and yeah, yeah, I mean, that's where we're having the conversations, right? That's where people are. I, I created, I remember, I remember the day I created it. I was like, I've had it. I've had it. We have had it with all the allergies and all the mood issues and all of the the you know food sensitivities and all the things and let's go talk about it over here and we started this group and um and we've been talking about it ever since and and that was sort of in the midst of me writing my book and really really try i i think i think by writing and that was the whole process of writing that is like what is actually going on like what are the factors we really need to consider and and talk through and so that's what we talk about in there awesome well, I'll make sure I link to your book too, because these are just all wonderful places to start if you're ready to dive in or if you just want to take the next step, you know, you have options. So Jess, thank you so much. You brought so much wealth um, of knowledge into this, um, into this podcast. And I'm so grateful that you joined us. Well, thanks for having me. This is a fun conversation. Yes, I hope I would love to do it again. And next time let's talk more about food because... <laughs> So like, I can always talk more food, but this is perfect. This is perfect. I really believe um, a lot of uh, moms are gonna just walk away feeling empowered and knowing they're not alone. And sometimes that's just, that's just the first step. So 
Well, that is my hope. That is my hope. It's it's you are not alone, but also this, you know, you really do have uh, a say. You do have a say. And um, there are lots of things. We live in this wonderful time right now. Like, yes, things have gotten busy and complicated and, and, and you know, we're all overworked and, and stressed out, but we also know so much about what's going on inside the body yes. and, and how we can shift it and change it and, and, and not control it so much, but become in conversation with our bodies. Um, and that to leverage that is a is a beautiful process. It's beautiful. And what's so amazing is we move through this, we teach others about it. You know, it really is. So awesome. All right. Well, everyone, thank you for being here. We'll catch you on the next Tippy Moms podcast. Bye.